Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. Sundays, we're going to spotlight some of the ministries here at the river. And I'm calling this little series, we've been in Colossians some this year, but we're calling this Blueprints. And Blueprints has nothing to do with the site map or the elevations of our building or our structure. It has nothing to do with the layout or where the restrooms are. The Blueprints of our church are, here's what makes the river move with the heart of God and make an impact on people's lives. It's how and why we care. It's how and why we care about God and it's how and why we care about others. The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And in the same way, he said the second one is just like it. Love others more than you love yourself. This is the DNA of the river. And so I want us to walk through for the next four Sundays some of the different ministry areas where this happens. And so I want to start today with, and we're going to unpack this word care, C-A-R-E. And we're going to talk about how we at the river, we care for others. And we're going to talk about how we put that care into action, A. And then we're going to talk about how we as a church, we reflect that in the world. Some of the ways that we do that together. And then we're going to talk about the ways that we experience this together. So C-A-R-E, that's what we're going to do the next four Sundays. So today, let's talk about how we care for others. And I want to embarrass a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours right now, right? And I want to say that we have just launched a purposeful, very intentional ministry for guest follow-through, seeing through when someone fills out one of those connect cards, that we make sure we touch their lives, touch base with them, and that we pray for them. And that also that we meet needs for people. When somebody writes a prayer request and says, I have a deep need and I'm not sure how to do this, will you pray for me? We don't just pray for that, but we then put this into the hands of Tammy Wendell, Greg Wendell, their, right, their amazing home, and she is developing a team of people that are going out and meeting these needs. They care for people. They care for people because they're really kind and nice, but also they care for people because of their deeply rooted love for God. It just oozes out of them. <laughs> That's weird, I know. But you just, Greg, you stink of love and kindness, right? Tammy, you guys, the way you give and care about others, it's not lost on us. And so thank you for what you do. And so we have, you may have noticed out in the the lobby, the welcome area, 
There's a new welcome center there, a desk that Dustin Copenhaver put together in like 10 minutes. It would have taken me four days, right? And he put that welcome center together and there's going to be gifts there and information about the church and ways you can get involved and ways we can help you find a path to God. And there's going to be, that's going to be a great first step. You may have noticed when you walked in, I highly doubt it, but there are new arrows on the wall out here in the lobby. Look, no offense to anyone in the past. We just were using some different language. So when you walk in that door, when someone walks in that door, there's an arrow that just says, start here. And it points to the big sign that says, welcome. And then the welcome desk is there. And Tammy and her people are going to be there. That's where you start. Don't know what to do? Start here. Right? Simple. There's also an area, I mean, an arrow that points to the welcome center. We, look, I'm, we're not calling this the auditorium anymore, right? So Tanner, you're officially going to have to change the password on the sound booth, right? The, it is no longer the auditorium. That was the password before. <laughs> not that you would know what to do with it. This is, the, this is the worship center. This is where we gather to make Jesus the centerpiece of our lives and we worship him together in spirit and in truth. This is the worship center. Not that big a deal, right? But it's a big deal. This is not just semantics. And then when you walk down that room, now this one is semantics, not a big deal. When you walk down that hall, it's no longer the fellowship hall. The way to get there is a hall. The room where we fellowship is not a hall. It's a room. So it's now called the fellowship room. Are we okay with that? If you grew up Baptist and you had a fellowship hall and you're highly offended by that, I'm really sorry, but I'm not sorry. It's a fellowship room. Worship center, fellowship room. That's where you start. All those things are important and in place so that people walk into this place and they kind of have an idea where they're going and what they're supposed to do. Right? You've seen signs around the perimeter of the building. Welcome to the river. This is where you go in. I'm going to be honest with you. The first time we pulled up to the building, we were like, where do you go in here? I don't even know. Now we have little signs with arrows. It's small things, but it just matters. Did you catch that? The small things matter. And that's where we're going to find ourselves this morning. As we walk through what it looks like to care at the river Luke, I want to invite you to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2 is, uh, it's actually not 2, it's actually 21, I think. Luke 21, as Jesus sees, has this encounter with this woman who comes to the temple with nothing. She has very little. She's a widow. She had virtually nothing. Her husband had died. She didn't have a, a way to make a good living. And so she comes to the temple and Jesus, in verse 1, it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich 
putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins and he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is not a story or a a reflection of financial giving. This story is not about money. This is a story about the heart. The heart of this person and the heart of you and me. It's why we do the things we do. It's why we contribute the way we contribute. It's why we see how we see others. It's what we do for others. It's not an issue of what I have to give. It's an issue of what is in my heart. It becomes an issue of necessity. This woman didn't give because she had it to give. You know, how, you know about what her two mites, you may have, your scripture may say two mites. You, you know what that amounts to today in today's economy? A dollar eighty-eight. That's what she gave. Not a game changer. Not particularly a need meter. We have, we have ink pens in our church office that cost more than $2. She wasn't making a big splash on the economy of the, of the temple, of, 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 of the religious center, of the church office. She wasn't feeding someone she wasn't putting clothes on someone's back. You know what she was doing? She was in obedience and her faithfulness and her love for Jesus. She was saying, for God, she was saying, I'm going to give all that I can. It's a heart issue, not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And this woman gives so much in comparison to the wealthy people who were walking in and looking around and pulling out their purse, their bags, and then unfolding money and taking out coins that made a lot of noise and then dropping them in the box for everyone to hear and see, look what I've done. Now that was a game changer financially. What they had to give made a big splash. But Jesus wasn't interested in that. He he wasn't interested in that. He said, they gave out of their abundance, but she in her poverty put in all she had to live on. She gave everything she had. Here's what we know about this. A couple of really important things. Not only is Jesus moved by this woman and her offering. He noticed. He noticed. While everybody else probably looked away knowing that what she was putting in that box was not a game changer, Jesus noticed. 
And he looked right past her hand. He looked right past her purse. He looked right past her mind and the facial expression that she probably had when she gave in shame because it was very little. He looked right past all of that and said, that is one I am glorified in. That is a person that I love. That is a person in whom I am well pleased. He noticed. And you know what that says to you and me? It says, you may not have all the talent. You may not be able to play keyboard or or guitar or sing. You may not be able to be creative and talent and have a lot to bring to the table. You can't decorate. You're not a good cook, and so you don't help make food for people. Or or you don't don't have a lot of money, and so you you don't really have a lot to give to make a difference. And and so maybe you pull back and say, I mean, I love God. I love my church. I'm going to go. I'm going to do my thing. But nobody's going to notice me. But Jesus notices. And here you are giving what you have to give. I I watch our volunteers all the time. Go back to the windows. They they say, no matter what, somebody needs something, we're going to step in and find a way. One of our brothers Mike Lane, his wife Amanda, they're putting on a daddy-daughter dance. We're going to step in and do everything we can do to make it work. Linda Jewett, I'm going to step in and do whatever I can do to make you feel and see and know and experience the full weight of God's glory. I want to care for you. This This is the way it's supposed to work. Whether you're paid on staff or not, You get to be a voice of hope. You get to be a servant for the Almighty God. And Jesus notices. We're going to spotlight other ministries in the next few weeks. Brandon and Christy do this. The coffee you drink, it's because they put together a team and they've made it work. They make sure someone's there. Sometimes it's them on Sunday mornings. We don't pay them to do that. We should, but we don't. Because it's good coffee. But it's also so good of them in their heart to say, we just want to do our part. And I say, thank you, Jesus, for people just like them, just like you, and so many other people. Tammy came to me several weeks ago, months ago now, been a while. And she said, I want to make sure when someone comes to the river that they get cared for, that they know we care about them. I want to make sure nobody falls through the cracks. Is our record spotless? No. But we're doing what we know how to do to make sure that people feel loved and cared for. It's who we want to be at the river. It's an essential part of our DNA. And I know this is embarrassing, but thank you. Because you noticed. She noticed. And so she stepped up and she said, here's a little thing I'd like to do or offer or suggest. Let's go. And we went. And we're better now because of it. Thank you. And we're going to get better and get better and get better. 
Why? Because the more and more of you that we share stories like this with, we all start to see things a little bit different and our eyes get open to what God wants to do in people's lives. And you may have an idea and God puts it on your heart to say, you know what? I don't know that I can do that, but I could do this. And this is the way it works then we all step in and we do our part. And it's not just us doing a thing that nobody else can do. It's us saying, I care and I want to be a part of the essential work of God's glory and His hope and His love through the river. And we just get better and better and better. Because we care. Is this good? Is this helpful? I mean, it's, it's not earth shattering. It's not life changing. But it's still essential. Jesus meets us right where we are so that, watch this, it's not just a forgiveness. It's not just a repentance. It's not just a cleansing issue, although it is. Jesus meets us right where we are to help us get to where we need to be. Because where we are for now may be quiet, silent, kind of in the weeds, hiding, pulling back, I'm a little bit anonymous here. I don't really want people to notice. It's a starting place because God wants to use you to do extraordinary things. We're going to get into that in a minute. God wants to use you to do extraordinary things. It doesn't mean you have to be extraordinary. God is abundantly extraordinary in and of himself. He doesn't need your talent and he didn't need this woman's money. It was a simple invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself. <laughs> and that's what we have to notice, that we're a part of something very special. Romans 10, 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing love. We can outdo one another by doing the little things. We say, watch this, it's not that you're trying to do more or bigger or better for other people than someone else. You know what it means? It means I want to do everything I can because God is doing everything he can. He has done everything he could to make me new. And out of that, I want to serve God. You might be able to outserve or outdo others, but you can never, ever, ever outlove God. But you don't have to. The pressure's off. No pressure about that. It's a call to notice. It's a call to see. It's an invitation to see a need and step in and say, I just want to do my part to meet that need. This is the call of God on our lives. You can't outlove God, but you can sure do your part. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. What does it look like to seek the good of our neighbor? Let's jump over now to James chapter 2. James 2 <clears throat> verses 14 through 17. This might be a familiar passage to you. Faith without works is dead, that little passage, right? Let's look at this together. James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers, 
If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, is faith a good thing? Yes or no? Faith is important, right? Ephesians 2 says we have been saved by faith through grace, not of ourselves so that no one can boast. We are saved by the grace of God because of our faith in Jesus. Faith is an essential. It's a very important thing. What good is it if someone says, I have faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Both and not either or. It's your faith and your works. We're not making a choice. Well, I don't know that I have a lot of faith. I'm not really that spiritual. I don't know really how to pray. I don't repent a lot. I don't know really what it means to confess. I don't even know that I hate my sin, but I can do some good things over here for people. Not enough. I don't really have time. My body doesn't feel like it. I don't have a lot of money, but I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. It's not enough. It doesn't disqualify those acts. We still do them. We still believe and trust God. We still give him our heart and our all. But it also means we find a way to meet needs for people by doing the little things that maybe they can't do for themselves, even if it's just a kind word. (laughs) Think about this. You have no idea how many times you've been in a conversation with someone and you've said something that has impacted their lives and they may have never even told you about it. Both good and bad. I don't know about you, I get around negative people, people who are critical all the time, and it wears me out. It's like like picking at a scab, right? Fingernails on a chalkboard. Negative, critical, they're talking about people that, you know, and I just go, ah, oh, it makes me want to slap the snot out of somebody. But when I sit in a room or at a table with someone and they say, Brent, I just want to thank you for blank, or they just say something kind, I really like blank. Maybe it's a little thing, but it means so much. And you have the same power at work in you just to be a person of hope, to have a voice of hope. And you say a word of peace and you just care for someone. And you pray with them and for them. And it makes a massive difference. But if you go in and you're complaining and you're negative and you're critical and you're hurtful, this is, I don't know about you, I do this every time. I wonder what they say about me when my back is turned. Don't want to be around people like that. Who does? 
But you can love Jesus, love God, and have all your faith in the world in Him, and then speak a word of kindness. And those things in harmony work for the good of other people. And it makes a massive difference in their lives. That's what it means to care for people. Faith without works is dead. We can't just stop at believing. This is a call to act. It's a call to do. It's a call to find his way and to point it out and expose that in other people. Not to exploit people's weaknesses, but to expose the strength of Jesus to make somebody's life whole and new and to be a friend and to be kind and to show them the love of God. It's both fulfilling the great commandment and It's making someone see there's more to this life than just my circumstance. There's more. There's just so much more. Let me say it this way. You can do good for other people without loving God. But you cannot love God without doing good for other people. You with me? You can do good for other people without loving God, but you cannot love God without doing good for other people. It's both and. Faith and works. He's called us to this lifestyle because you're the one that He's chosen to be a voice of hope and to show others the way. You're the one that He's empowered with. It's not a call to do great, big, extraordinary things supernatural things in people's lives. It's a call to just be faithful, to love Him, to know Him, to fall in love with His Word, and then be used by Him to accomplish something great. Hebrews 13, 16 says, do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Here's how this plays out. Jesus in Matthew 25, He talks about the final judgment, the great judgment that it is to come. And He says the judge, the king, will be there separating the sheep from the goats, the good from the bad, the faithful from the unfaithful. He will be there separating who is and who is not. And then the king says, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was unwanted, you welcomed me in. And the people are like, when did we ever do this for you? We we could never serve you that way. You're the king. And you know what he says? Verse 40. Matthew 25, 40. He says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've also done for me. You see that? We're not just serving other people. We're not just serving other people who are unlovely. We're not just serving other people who keep getting their lives in a mess. And so we look at them and we go, well, I've tried to help them, but they can't figure it out. So I think I'm done. 
Whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. And then Jesus at this final judgment goes, you did what I asked you to do. You were faithful with that. Come into my kingdom. (laughs) Just a word of caution. We don't serve others because there's something to be gained by it. We serve others because we love God. That's what it means to care for people. And the how gets played out every single day by meeting needs, seeing needs, just like Jesus noticed the widow, just like Jesus notices you. We notice other people. And then if you don't have the capacity or the resources or the time to meet those needs, you run to someone else and you say, what can we do to meet this need for this person? Whatever you've done for the least of these, you have also done for Jesus. This is how and why we care. This is a promise. If you will care for others the way you're supposed to, to love them unconditionally the way I love them, if you notice and you meet needs for other people and you take whatever time, whatever treasure, whatever talent you have and you invest it in other people, God promises you, I will notice and I will remember and you will be blessed. And you'll be welcomed into my kingdom. And you'll be wanted here. Dwight Moody, a great preacher and evangelist, said it this way, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. And so when he says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've also done for me. If you will do what I've asked you to do, I will notice and I will remember. This is God's promise to you. So we do all these things, not just because it's the right thing or the churchy thing or the religious thing or the good thing. We do this because God said, do it. It's a call to act. Faith without works is dead. You see what we've done here? We brought all this together in a beautiful cocktail of love and devotion and faithfulness. And when God takes a drink of that, He is pleased with your life. This is why we care. Something really cool is about to happen here. We're about to baptize Bristol Ball. Her dad's going to do that. It's going to be Mufasa. It's going to be so good. No expectation, right, Nick? Right? This is going to be a really special moment we're going to celebrate together. The worship team's going to come up. And when we're done with the baptism, we're going to continue to worship together. And we're going to wrap this service, this morning, this time together up in just a few moments. But here's what I need you to think and pray and focus on in the next few moments. We're going to celebrate that and then we're going to sing with thanksgiving in our hearts. 
But I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, the call this morning is to not leave here the same as you walked in. To not just be satisfied with our great staff and other people and our elders and volunteers letting them do the ministry. Don't be satisfied with that. I want to challenge you, find your way. Find a place to get involved. Every one of these ministry areas that are led by some great people, every one of them need help in just getting things done. You're going to touch somebody's life that Brandon can't. You're going to touch somebody's life that Stephanie can't, that I can't, Naomi, Tori. You're going to do something that the rest of us can't do. And by the grace of God, if you will let him, he will use you in a powerful way. Whatever you've done for the least of these, you have done for Jesus. You're not serving us, you're serving God. (laughs) What a privilege. As we sing, I want to remind you, there are some prayer warriors in the corners. They just want to pray with you, for you. They want to hear your story to speak God's word over you, to encourage you. Don't miss this opportunity. You might go to one of these corners this morning and say, man, I have neglected my part. I haven't done my part. I want to be faithful. I want to do something. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to do something. God, come, let us pray for you. Is that fair? You may want to follow Jesus with your heart and say, I want to do all those things, but first I got to get some stuff right with Jesus. Come on. This is a safe place. You are loved. We welcome you into God's family here. Jesus, thank you for this morning. God, we celebrate in such unexplainable terms our devotion, our love for you. That God, we forget how to even express it. And we need you. God, notice us this morning. Help us see you, notice you, and never forget. God, thank you for Bristol. Thank you that you've saved her. Thank you for this moment to celebrate with her. Receive our song of praise. Help us, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.